We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Checking out the Deep Planet Mask podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Mary and Ford, who are from the DFW Rat Rescue Organization. And this was an organization that I honestly just kind of saw um, pop up off a Dallas Observer article and really wanted to kind of just reach out based on that. Um, you know, it was an organization. I've had conversations with people who worked in kind of uh, working with animals and helping animal rescue, but didn't know something, you know, specifically dedicated to rats. So, you know, it was a conversation uh, that I really wanted to have and, uh, you know, really wanted to reach out. So thank you guys for, you know, coming on the episode and just uh, being very interested in kind of sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks for having us. I can talk rats all day. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, I, I was gonna kind of like wondering, um, you know, first beforehand, like on your guys' uh, personal stories coming into this. Uh, you know, did you guys like own rats like before coming into this organization? So growing up, I had pretty much every kind of pet that you can have. Um, had a bunch of different kinds of lizards. I had all the rodents, mice, gerbils, hamsters, guinea pigs. I had a horse, chickens, rabbits, all kinds of stuff. And my mom firmly put her foot down that I would not have any rats. She hated their tails, couldn't get over it. So I was never allowed to have rats. So um, of course, when I got my first apartment in college, I got my first pair of rats and I just fell in love with them. I thought they were the sweetest little animals, um, way more social than any of the other rodents that I had you know, had previously. So I had rats for about, um, I guess at at the point of starting the rescue, I had had rats for about eight years, <clears throat> and I needed to rehome the rats that I had. So they only lived two or three years. So I had, you know, several rats had come and gone from my household in that time, um, and I needed to take a break. I needed to rehome my rats, and there was just no good way to do it. You know, you're, you can post them on Craigslist, and you don't know if someone's going to feed them to their snake or what, you know, if they even you know, know how to take care of them. Um, shelters aren't equipped to take rats. Nobody goes to an animal shelter to adopt rats. So I decided to um, start this rescue. And within the first weekend of starting the website and the Facebook page, I had seven people contact me that needed to surrender their rats. So there's was just a huge need in the DFW area. And um, it, it just has been busy ever since. And that was January 2018. And like on that topic, when you mention um, like the kind of life expectancy, like on typically around two to three years. So do you, I guess, like typically get attached to a single rat or, you know, is it still like a heavy loss compared to, you know, I know some people with, I, I've had like a kind of a dog growing up. So, you know, 
I think is definitely past 10 years and, uh, you know, it can be the same for other people. Was it like similar when it came to, you know, one of the rats? Yes. So I tell people they're like little puppies. Um, they love to be out of their cage. They love to you know, ride on your shoulder or in your hoodie. Um, the more time you spend with them, the sweeter they are. Uh, they'll stand at their cage bars and just like, you know, look at you, like begging you to play with them. They're incredibly friendly and they're so smart. They each have their own little personalities. So you can absolutely get attached to them. Um, in the rat community, we call it a heart rat. You have that one special rat that just has your heart. It's your heart rat. And I have had two. I've had hundreds of rats at this point. And um, I've had two heart rats in my life. And that was actually why I needed to get rid of the ones, or, you know, not get rid of, rehome the ones that I had. Uh, it's so hard when you lose them because they can deteriorate so quickly. The you know they're just not bred to live very long. So at the end of their lives, they've got tumors and cancer and hind leg degeneration, and it's just really rough. And you do form such a close bond with them that it is like you know losing a dog, but you do it every two to three years. It's it's tough. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they are. Um... Like we know people that are allergic to dogs and cats, so they adopt rats and it's, you know, a direct replacement basically where they play with them the same way that they would play with a dog and a cat and they definitely learn their names just like a dog and a cat. So yeah, I mean, they feel it the same way when they leave. And like on that idea of um, kind of with uh, kind of the connection to dogs and cats and when you kind of bring up like the different types of uh, like tumors or anything that can pop up on a rat, uh, you know, kind of in its later life. So what is, is there like, um, can, can doctors or veterinarians operate on rats as easily as like other animals or, you know, do people take their rats a lot? to like the, the, you know, local vet. So rats are considered exotic animals, which means that usually there's an exotic animal vet that will see rats. I have worked at two different vet clinics um, before becoming a teacher. And one of the vets let me sit in on a surgery. They uh, actually performed a surgery on one of my rats for me, a tumor removal. So I got to see what it was like. And the rat's metabolism is incredibly high. Um, it's really hard to keep them under anesthesia and not kill them. They're tiny, so it's hard to operate on them. Um, and they are very, very fragile in terms of like they get respiratory infections really quickly. Um, after surgery, they can't regulate their body temperature, so they can like get cold and die basically. Um, so to answer your question, yes, vets will see rats, but I have known several vets who have decided to stop seeing rats uh, because they have so many issues associated with them. And because a lot of people don't want to spend a bunch of money on a pet that's not going to live very long. So you could do a tumor removal on a rat and maybe give it six more months of life. And that would cost you about $350. So it's a tough, it's a tough call. Um, I've, I have been through hundreds and hundreds of surgeries. I've lost several rats on the table, even just for like spays and neuters. I have rats that are on antibiotics for life, um, lots of issues. So at the rescue, I feel like I've kind of seen it all. I can do most of the uh, medical stuff that they need. I do have to seek a vet for surgeries. Um, and that's always kind of a, 
a stressful situation just because you, you don't know how they're going to do. And they, and they also, I mean, they, I know dogs and cats are like this too. If they don't have their pain meds, they'll kind of self mutilate. They'll pull their stitches out and everything. So you're going back to the vet multiple times. You've got to keep them on medication a long time. So treating rats, you know, I tell everyone, make sure you know what you're getting into. They can be as expensive as having a dog or a cat. Um, and it's just really sad when people kind of say, well, they're sick, but I mean, it's a rat. I'm not taking it to the vet. You know, they absolutely need a vet. So, and there's a list on the website. If anybody has rats and doesn't know where to go, you've got a list. <laughs> Please reach out. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like um, that the the vets specifically for exotic animals is, you know, way less than a typical, like the typical staff or vets. I was kind of wondering on, oh, you far know, between, definitely. It's, yeah, there are, there are many of them for sure. Is that like, um, can like a, is a rat like associated as an exotic animal specifically because it's from the wild or because so few many people have rats or, uh, you know, how does it get qualified? Is that? I think most, um, in terms of like vets, I think they just, uh, you know, there's like dog and cat, small animal veterinarians, and then because the rats have so many unique um, issues, I guess, uh, it takes a lot of extra training, learning, schooling, maybe. Um, I know I've you know, had rats for so long now, and I'm still learning things about them, still seeing new things that pop up. So you know, I, I would say they're, they're exotic pets because not a lot of people have them. Not a lot of vets know how to work on them. And you're saying like, they're, you know, from the wild, the rats that we have are all like domestic, fancy rats. Um, so they aren't like the wild, um, like a roof rat or like the Norwegian brown rat or like the, you know, bubonic plague rats. Like we don't do any wildlife at all. It's all just pets. But because of the uh, like feeder industry, um, there are a lot of rats that are just bred sick and they come to me sick and they're, you know, sick their whole lives. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of vets don't know how to work on that or either think that that's not a, it's not like a a lucrative um, venture to say like, okay, I can see rodents now, you know, it it takes a lot of extra work, I think. Mm -hmm. On that topic of uh, like rat breeders, when you say like they're brought in sick, um, is it because like they just don't care about giving the proper nutrition or anything like that when it when it, they're just going to feed it to a snake? So yeah, and also the the cases that we have come in um, where people like the big surrenders, you know, sometimes they're brought in bad conditions too. Yeah, so a lot of like um, pet stores will have what's called a feeder bin, and it's just a bunch of rats in a cage together that are meant to be bought as uh, live food for snakes or other animals. And so there's no really concern of separating males and females or preventing diseases from spreading. And, you know, if you've seen them in like pet stores, they're kept in glass, kind of like aquariums. There's a lot of animals in there. Um, And because rats have such fragile respiratory systems, being with a bunch of other rats, being in a poorly ventilated area, they're going to get sick really quickly. Um, so I have, you know, amazing people who who buy these rats from the feeder bins and bring them to me because they want to save them from being snake food. 
And I totally get that and I respect that, but that, you know, there's plenty of rats to take that place. You know, they're just, you're just paying the industry and they're just going to make more and more and they're going to replace them. Um, so those rats are typically unhealthy. And if it's a female, it's typically pregnant. So I often have a lot of people who will get two rats from a feed bin. The person there doesn't know how to determine if they're male or female. So they go home with two rats, then they end up with 12 rats. And then those 12 rats turn into 50 rats and they're just drowning. And so then they come to me with huge, huge groups of rats and they're all, you know, sick or pregnant. Um, we so we a, deal with a lot of that. We had a 64 rat surrender come from Louisiana a couple months ago. That was basically that situation. And the problem also with the rats that come from the feeder bin is that they haven't been socialized. So you're, they, people think that they're rescuing these rats and, you know, maybe they'll be someone's pet, but realistically those are feeder rats spread for a purpose. And I totally get that. You know, everything's got to eat. I, I understand it completely. Um, I think what I, my hope for my role as a rat rescue is more for uh, people who have pets that they love and that are pet rats and that they need to place into a new home more so than trying to, you know, take down the feeder rat industry. You know, I, I, I fully respect what they're doing. You know, I just, it's like a different world for me. we got the wild rats and the feeder rats and then the pet rats. <laughs> and same thing with uh, sometimes we get calls about like laboratory rats where they're done using them at UNT or something and the, you know, lab intern contacts us because they, you know, we're trying to maybe rehome them. And, uh, but same kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, kind of crazy with like the UNT intern, like are rats like still like the most commonly used animal when it comes to like laboratory testing? Neither one of us, I think can speak definitively on that, but, um, I know my brother did a fair bit of laboratory work back in school and they do use rats quite a bit. And, um, like different birds for different things. I'm sure it depends on what you're doing and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think lab rats are still definitely in use. And on that idea, when you kind of mentioned like the uh, um, the 64 rat rescue, so was that like the, the largest capture you've guys had um, to date or was there anything else? The largest surrender I've had was 152 rats. And that came from a hoarder in San Antonio. Uh, that was a couple years ago. So I've had I've had a probably ten surrenders of fifty or more rats in my um, four and a half years of doing this. That's tough. And like on that, when you say the the word order, like so, did like um, like a government branch uh, reach out, or how did that work out? From like the San Antonio hoarder situation. No, uh, hoarder, not order. Oh, okay. And, yes, and that was this. Mm -hmm. Yes. So someone, the, I think it was the animal shelter down there was like, we have no idea what to do with all of these. And the, you know, what, what happens is they just get euthanized. There are plenty of shelters who will say, yeah, we'll take your rats. And then, you know, we're going to put them down because we aren't equipped to deal with 152 rats. We don't have any adopters. Who's going to take them. They're seen as vermin, all these reasons. Um, so I did have someone reach out to me like, hey, this is, you know, totally, it's fine if you're not cool with this, but it could you help us take any of these off your hands, off our hands? And I was like, you know, if you can get them to me, then sure. So we set up 
you know, some volunteers that were amazing that went down there with all of these little containers, picked up these 152 rats, brought them to me and, and I made room for them. And we got a lot of them adopted. It was crazy busy for a while. Um, but there were some that were just so aggressive or so sick that they just ended up staying with me for their whole lives, which is fine too. I do like kind of the, the sanctuary as well as the rescue, but it's, it's, tough when it's a lot. I've also had some, um, like the Arlington, um, animal control has reached out to me before. I've worked with several local animal, um, rescue organizations and like someone, um, I don't know how much of this I'm legally allowed to say someone ended up going to jail, but he had like a wild rat as a pet. And they're like, we can't release it into the wild. He has, he's running on a wheel in a cage. Uh, we don't know what to do with it. Um, so I took that rat in. She was super sweet, but she was definitely like a wild rat. So, you know, I've, I've had a few weird cases like that too, but for the most part, it's just, uh, you know, one or two rats here or there from people that just need to rehome them. We've kind of like talked on the, you know, some rats that kind of get too sick or kind of dealing with the vet, but when you say, um, you know, illness and aggressiveness, so how bad can that get with some of the rats uh, when it comes to aggressiveness? And, um, you know, is that because of uh, no social, no socialization or how does it get to that point? So they're um, by default, I feel like rats are friendly. I think if you leave them in their cage and you don't interact with them, they are going to be fearful. So there's like a whole bunch of different reasons why a rat may bite you. If they're sick, they'll defend themselves. If they're scared, um, if they think your finger is food, uh, for the most part, I mean, I've gotten bit many, many times, but the rats that are biting and the reasons they're biting, it's just because they're scared. So I have really good like techniques on how to get your rat to trust you and build that relationship. Um, but I kind of think of it more like a dog on a chain. If you keep a dog on a chain its entire life and then someone approaches that dog, you know, waving a big flag around or something, that dog's not going to, you know, respond very well. You need to come slowly, let him sniff your hand, give him a treat, you know, pet him and let him know that you're safe. And so that's what I'll do if someone surrenders, a, you know, an antisocial rat. Um Aggression is actually, in you know, in my opinion, a little bit different. Rats that are coming at you to bite you, or fighting other rats, um, is where I sort of say, okay, this rat is aggressive. They either need more socialization, more handling, or um, we'll have that rat fixed, and sometimes that'll fix the problem. Um, but Male hormonal aggression is a huge, huge, huge issue. We get rats surrendered all the time because they reach that six-month age. They start fighting with their cage mates. The owners kind of freak out and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's aggressive. And they usually grow out of it. Um, but that is something that we deal with a lot. And I think they're just misunderstood, honestly. I don't think there's, they're, you know, aggressive in terms of they're going to, you know, come and eat you like in the movies. But they definitely need some love and, you know, socialization to be as friendly as they can be. And they are incredibly sweet and friendly animals. It's rare to see one that's actually aggressive. Like, I've never gotten seriously bit in, you know, three, three-ish years, three-plus years. Um, just maybe a little nibble here and there when, they're, when you're, like, picking them up out of the cage, but nothing ever, like, really mean, you know. 
And like on that idea of uh, when you guys bring up like the the movies or kind of the massive mis- misconceptions from people, is that like normally? Uh, I was kind of wondering your guys' thoughts on you know where you guys think that I guess originally came from. I mean, it, it always seems like anytime I was growing up, or you know, you watch any type of animation or cartoon where it is kind of like the rat versus the mouse on kind of that contrast. Do you you guys think that was like? I guess came from somewhere. So I, I think. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, in the movies, the rats are always like you know you you find rats in disgusting places. They live in the sewers. They have big disgusting teeth. They're gonna spread the plague. Like they're they're just like the bottom feeders of the world. I guess uh, rats get blamed for everything. Um, what was that movie? The Stephen King Graveyard Shift. We watched this movie. It's from like the nineties. I think. And it's just like... Shout out to a terrible B-movie. Yeah, (laughs) like the whole plot is that rats are like eating these people. And I'm like, this is just, this is not doing anything for their image. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure where it started, but I totally get it. I mean, they they are not, uh, in the wild, they are the, you know, they're vermin. We've got rats that eat my tomatoes in my garden and I hate them. And I've got cats to take care of that rat problem. So, you know, I get the rat hate. but I think like, you know, with the rescue, one of the things that I love is when people say like, I had no idea that rats could be such good pets. And we adopted a couple rats from you a couple years ago, and now we're back for more because they were just the best animals that we've ever had. So I think a lot of it is just, you know, changing hearts and minds, um, letting people know that rats are, I mean, they're easy to keep and they they are not the type of like with mice like I've had and I know people can handle their mice and they can be sweet but the mice that I've had are happier to just be in their cage they don't necessarily want to be riding around with you and hanging out with you um but I I think that the rats definitely they are more like a dog and I think that the uh media you know misconception is more about the the wild rats that carry the diseases um less so about the domestic pet rats and once you see them i mean you've got the like wild brown rats with the you know they look kind of mangy the domestic rats come in all color all colors all sizes big old dumbo ears or like the standard ears on top and they're so cute they're really cute so i think that's helping too is you just they don't look like they look in the wild you know when you pick them up from the rescue or those pet rats are different and uh I put my two cents. I I mean, I think that the stigma, you know, is historical and like rats do things like they're able to thrive in, you know, bad conditions and stuff like that. Um, but it's just just like wild mangy dogs would or, you know, cats haven't been accepted as pets for a long time necessarily. And, you know, I think it's just kind of like rats are next sort of thing, like the public perceptions coming around, like. We've talked before about how in the UK, the they're like 20 years ahead of us as far as like social adoption of like being okay with r- rats as pets sort of thing. So we're just sort of like, you know, it's coming. <clears throat> no, I definitely kind of like that. I guess that explanation of really that kind of species being able to really thrive in, you know, even kind of dangerous uh, environments on, you know, maybe that's why kind of movies have taken that kind of uh, negative stereotype and ran with it. I wanted to ask on kind of when you guys bring up like the 
so many different types of rats or different species, you know, across the country and everything. So when it came to, um, you know, DFW rat rescue and just kind of the physical location, were you guys like dealing with a bunch of different types of rats and can they like interact and socialize with each other? So I, so that there aren't breeds of rats. There aren't even really different types of domestic rats. It's just, um, I mean, I, there are different species of rats, but the domestic rat is just the fancy rat. Um, they have different colors and they can be different sizes and have different ears, but overall they are pretty much the same beyond that. Um, a lot of people say like, what kind, what breed of rat is this? It's just a coloring variation that's different, or it's just an ear type that's different. Um, so when I started the, and I actually very frequently, I get people calling and asking, I found this rat in my yard and I don't know what to do with it. Or I have this like orphaned litter of wild rats in my house. Can you come get it? Um, and I am not licensed for wildlife. It's a goal. It would be cool. But um, I don't really have a mean, like you can't take those rats and put them in a cage. You know, you can't adopt them out as pets. They're wild animals. The rats that I have taken in are rats that either come from a breeder, um, come from a feeder bin, Petco used to, and PetSmart, they used to sell rats. I'm not sure if they still do, um, but definitely like the pet, they were bred to be pets or snake food, um, not, not wild. They're not the wild animals. Like you wouldn't go outside and pick up a rat and say like, okay, it's my pet now. Like those are different. <laughs> Is that like type of certification to um, take in like wild rats? Like, is that, I guess, difficult for, you know, your organization to do and like do, um, cause I had like a conversation with like, um, you know, DFW turtle rescue. And, uh, you know, I was kind of wondering if like, if wild rats, if they go through a lot of uh, negative terrain changes, or if there's a lot of stuff like affecting, you know, their population sizes. So with rats, wild rats, I think everyone everywhere is just trying to get rid of them. Everyone just wants them gone from their, you know, they eat the wires in your house and tear through your roof and everything. Like everyone just wants them gone. They're, they're vermin. Um, I do get a lot of people who just want the best. Like they see the wild animal and they don't care that it's a rat. They want to help it. They want to, you know, take care of it. But the problem is, is they reproduce so fast and their medical issues are so unknown. Um, they've been out in the wild. They would need to be returned to a similar place. So if you're you know, in the middle of a suburban neighborhood, there's not a good place to release a litter of rats. Um, and a lot of times people find them when they are brand new babies, which would mean that I would need to be there feeding them you know, with kitten milk replacement multiple times a day. It is so tough. I've, I have hand-raised baby rats before. It's a lot of work. And then once you have those rats grown, I can't just let them go outside my house. And I, you know, you let them go in any sort of um, nature environment, you have just increased the rat population exponentially. And you don't know what that's going to do to the, the ecosystem there. So it's really hard to rescue wild rats, um, more so than I think like raccoons and possums and squirrels. People, you know, they don't necessarily want them around their house, but they can understand 
that you're rehabbing them and you're going to either keep them or relocate them somewhere. Um, but, but with rats, I think it's just a different, different animal. It's just a different process. And there are, there's so many, you know, pet rats that need rescue help that it's, we're, so we're talking about, you know, I, I don't think that including wild rat rescue is necessarily a, an immediate goal of the rescue. You know, that's not, yeah, they don't, back to the socialization aspect also of they're not from genetic lines of friendly rats necessarily. And it would be like rescuing a coyote versus a dog. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're not, what are you going to do with that coyote? Right. Yeah. Maybe you can make him friendly and maybe he'll make a great pet, but likely he's a coyote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And kind of on that, like, uh, really with trying to help out as many kind of house um, rats and taking in rescues as possible. I was wondering what that kind of turnover looked like. Um, You know, when you guys take in, um, you know, a large rescue of 50 plus rats, um, you know, how many can you guys store in your physical location or, you know, have in your physical location and, um, you know, how much time do you have to uh, do you have to like start get the start getting them out to fosters or adoptees? So I would say, since I started this rescue, I have been overwhelmingly delighted by the number of people who want to adopt. I feel like I cannot keep up with the number of people who ask me to adopt rats, which is amazing. Um, but a lot of rats that we get are unadoptable, either because they have medical issues or they are. Um, you know, aggressive or going through aggressive stages or unsocialized. Um, I have a temperament rating system that I use on the website from one to 10, uh, 10 being like you could have a, a little two-year-old pick this rat up however they want. And that rat is going to just be a sweet, cuddly little teddy bear, no matter what. And then one being, you know, be careful when you stick your hand in the cage kind of situation. Um, so I would say it totally depends on how fast I can do a medical evaluation and a temperament evaluation on the rats that come in. I've had rats that come in in the morning and they are adopted and gone by the afternoon. Um, So it can be very, very fast. And I have, I'm trying my best to keep a a list of when people reach out to me and they say, you know, I want two females or I'm looking for a hairless rat, or I want a male to be a friend to my other male. So I, I would like it to be older and, um, like a, like a wish list. And, you know, I, I get rats in so often, um, that I feel like I am usually up to my eyeballs in rats, but adoptable rats are not as, you know, it's, it's, it can take a long time to socialize them, get them healthy, um, get them to a place where I would feel comfortable adopting them out. Fosters are amazing because they can do that work so much faster than me with, you know, a hundred rats here, it's hard to socialize all of them, cleaning cages and giving medication and cleaning the you know rat shed that we have. And fosters can spend that one-on-one time. So I really try to get those antisocial rats into foster homes as fast as I can because then they can socialize them and they'll get adopted faster. I also try and put all my pregnant females with fosters so that those babies get raised to be super social and they'll get adopted very, very quickly. Um, but sometimes rats are with me for years um, just because I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable adopting them out to someone who's either going to get bit or 
um, not be able to take care of their medical needs. I've had a rat that needed its teeth trimmed every two weeks. And so I just feel like ethically, um, it's, it's not right for me to adopt a rat out like that that's going to need such intense ongoing care. Um, and like I said, I've got rats that are on antibiotics for life and things like that. So I've set aside some space and you know time for me to just keep those guys and give them the best life that they can have. Um, most of the time they get adopted very quickly if they're you know friendly and healthy. On kind of those adoptions, what was it like on like the impacts of you know COVID nineteen in like March twenty twenty? Because I know that was one of the conversations, um, kind of one kind of one of my early like blog uh, interviews with uh, kind of the Dallas SPCA, um, kind of on dog adoptions. And there was like a part of me that you know definitely said you know I love adoptions. On you know people are stopping these dogs possibly from, you know, being euthanized, um, uh, or for overcrowding in the SPCA. But then there's a part of me that I was kind of like, man, I'm wondering how many people are just kind of bored during COVID. They're going to get a dog and then want to just give it back, like right after the pandemic ends, uh, in kind of that situation. So I was kind of wondering on, you know, um, what COVID was like for overall adoption rates. I think, um, my surrenders and my adoptions, um, went up. So people were, you know, sick and unable to take care of their rats or they had family members that were sick or they're moving. I mean, all kinds of things happened. So they had to give up their rats. And then I had other people that now they're home all the time and they can take care of them. Um, so they would adopt. Uh, I think because rats don't live very long, I don't necessarily have to worry about that. They're just going to bring the, you know, they're going to bring the dog back because they can't make that 20 year commitment. With rats, it's such a short commitment. If you're adopting a rat that's already a year and a half old, you know, you don't have to worry about what am I going to do, you know, when my kid goes to college or, you know, down the road. So I think with COVID, it, it definitely, um, things changed a little bit. But I think right now, I'm actually seeing the highest number of surrenders. Um, I think it's gotten to the point where the vet bills are so expensive, the food, the bedding, just just taking care of the rats has gotten to be where people are saying, okay, this is like having a dog. It is, you know, expensive. So I'm seeing a lot of people needing to surrender now. Um, but yeah, it's been weird times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely an uptick though. Definitely an uptick in like, like Mary said, situational, uh, we, we need to surrender our rats, not just for kind of a more like removing reason, but like more like emergency surrenders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of like outside of surrender, I know you guys touch up earlier on, you know, definitely being high and being surprised on the amount of uh, adoptees and foster families that came out and that seemed to be growing. I was kind of wondering on, you know, if that's still continuing and like it, kind of on the, you know, if you guys think of any factors possibly or, or reasons on why people are coming out in larger numbers to take these rats? So I think as time goes on, um, more people are having rats. They're showing their friends how sweet their rats are. Their friends come to adopt. Um, and since I've been here uh, a while now, four and a half years, well, not in this spot, but you know, in the DFW area, um, I think word is spreading and people are realizing that they don't you know, have to go to the snake store and buy a feeder rat, they can come and get a rat that they know is going to be healthy and socialize, or at least I'll be transparent and honest, you know, about that rat's needs. 
Um, and I think the other thing is just knowing how to take care of a rat. I know when I was growing up, I had a friend who had a rat and she, it was just that one rat in this small little cage. And at the time I didn't really think too much about it. I was like, oh, this is so great. I love this rat. And as I've had rats and grown up and done research, they need a much larger enclosure. They need to have at least one friend. Um, they have weird diet needs and things. So um, I think the increase in knowledge of rats, more people understanding how to take care of them means that they're having better experiences with the rats that they do get. So they'll come back and get more. They'll tell their friends. Um, I think there was a movie recently that had a rat, rat catcher. What was that? Suicide Squad with yeah. rat catcher? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I think the media is doing a better job too. Um, like with Encanto, the little rats that Bruno lives with. Like they're so cute and sweet and friendly. They're not eating his eyeballs out. So that's... I offer ratatouille. Ratatouille, there you go. <laughs> More positive rat role models. Yeah. <laughs> and like with that kind of, uh, even though with the uptick of like surrenders and, um, you know, it seems like with the positive reinforcement of kind of outside factors and, you know, people stepping up to uh, adopt and take some of these rats, is there any upcoming projects or any upcoming goals associated with the organization that you know you guys are looking forward to so this last year um when we moved here two years ago i used to keep the rats in the house with me i had an extra bedroom in my old house um, that i would have all my cages in and since moving out here i bought one of those like prefab sheds and my dad helped me finish it out it's got ac it's got like ventilation it is like a perfect rat room um, and I have already outgrown it. So it would be amazing to be able to add something else, like a, a more permanent structure. Um, we're on seven and a half acres out here, so we've got the space. Um, but one of my, my far-reaching big goals would be to set up a foster network around the country. I think there are so many people spread out all over the place who are like, you know, there's no, there's no rat rescue within three states of me. I have people coming from um, Louisiana, Oklahoma, I've had people come, you know, drive 15 hours just to bring their rats to me. But if we could set up a foster network, there may be someone close to you who's able to hold on to your rat for you. We can network and find them a home. Um, there just aren't a lot of options like that out there. But dog rescues, you know, they're all over the place. I mean, they're always full as well. But I think it would be cool to just set up some sort of Hey, we're rat people, and we'll we'll take your rats off your hands. Mm -hmm. Now that's a cool thing that happens a lot too. That you were kind of talking about earlier is uh, like the big surrender that needed to come from San Antonio. People will make like rat trains and go, okay, I can drive from San Antonio up to you know wherever, and then the next guy picks them up and drives up an hour, and then like six people later, you know, we've got the delivery. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice. People kind of come out of the woodwork. <clears throat> And when you guys mentioned like the seven acres, I was kind of wondering, uh, I remembered seeing something that you guys have like a bunch of animals up there. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we're engaged. His last name is Wesner. So we run Wesner Family Farm. Uh, we have chickens and turkeys and rabbits and quail and dogs and cats and donkeys. And 20 pigs. And our pigs are our pride and joy. Our, we, we love our pigs. So I would say we're more of a pig farm than anything else. But yeah, we've got lots of animals here. We have the cutest pigs. 
Do you guys ever, have you guys ever gone into, was it like the, the biggest pig in like the country fairs or something? Oh yes. yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. We actually have the smallest breed of pig. They're called Cooney Coonies. They're still really big, but technically the smallest. Yeah. Hopefully there's a medal for that. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the best looking pigs. There you go. <laughs> the cutest faces. Is there like an animal you guys uh, haven't had on the farm that you guys would uh, want to uh, bring on? So Mary wants to have, and probably one day, you know, some of this stuff. Um, like we'd like emus, maybe. Um, emus. Emu. Emus. Alpaca. Alpacas. Bison. Bison. Um, so you know, on seven acres, maybe not all of that's doable at once, but like, you know, th- these are all things that we like. So our really our goal with the farm is to have you know, like a, a permaculture thing going on, a sustainability. Um, so our rabbits are here to fertilize um, the gardens. The chickens help with the insects. The pigs will till up the ground for us. You know, everyone sort of has a role to play on the farm. Um, so it's less about like breeding animals just to sell animals and more about creating a, a sustainable living uh, scenario, you know, so that's, I think, the, the goal for us with the farm. It, it's nice that the, it's not like we, we went, okay, we're going to move out to the farm and start making money to live. It's, we both have our jobs, and so we can kind of figure this out as we go and really try and do it right and go for you know, the, the nice things and instead of just having to, to turn it around and you know, be worried about the next money. feed bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our jobs definitely fund the rat rescue and they fund the farm. <laughs> yeah. But that definitely must be uh, kind of wild with your guys' full-time jobs while also juggling something like a farm. Like, was there was there anything that you guys didn't expect? Uh, like, any misconceptions that you guys had, like, going onto the farm or, you know, things you learned instantly um, once you started managing it? So it's the shorter list is what did we expect? You know, it's just the, we expected a whole lot of unknown unknowns and like, it's just been a wild ride and it's been so much fun. Um, but like, you know, the winter a couple of years ago when all the power went out for like a week, you know, like we're on well water. So we had no water also. So no heat, no water. And we got to figure out how to get water out to the animals. So we're like, burning wood and the wood stove all day and shoveling snow and, you know, melting it. And it was just like, it was great fun for, <laughs> for about a week. And so it's just been, you know, adventure after adventure like that. Um, and we could write a book about everything that we've learned since then. Um, and actually it's funny, just earlier today, we were talking about like the short list of supplies for moving out to the country. And it's like, you need a big hat, you need some five gallon buckets, you need plenty of bailing wire and like, <laughs> you'll figure the rest out, you know? <laughs> and the rat rescue has been kind of the same way. You know, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I just wanted to try something new and it's just kind of grown itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been cool. Definitely. Well, I guess to kind of wrap up the episode, I honestly just wanted to kind of ask, I know you guys already kind of talked about with some of the upcoming goals with the, um, DFW Rat Rescue, but if there's any other upcoming projects or any shout outs you wanted to give, um, either re- related to the DFW Rat Rescue or to the farm or anything like that? I would want to shout out to every single person who has like 
stuck by me. I've got people who will, um, who, who can't foster or can't adopt either because they have, you know, enough rats of their own or whatever, uh, but they'll share my social media posts or um, they'll be on like recurring donations, which helps so much. I've got an Amazon wish list that people will send us, you know, food and bedding from time to time. But I've had the most loyal adopters and um, you know, the rat community has just been like insanely supportive and amazing. I did dog rescue for years and years and years, and it's so different in the rat community. I feel like everyone sort of bands together. You're not necessarily like being so cutthroat, I guess. I don't know. Everyone in the rat community has just been so supportive, and I definitely couldn't do it without them. They've been, you know, there have been times when I've had to take a break. Um, right now, I'm trying not to take in any new surrenders because I'm so full. So I'll post on the Facebook page about rats that are needing a home that I don't, you know, I'm worried about turning away. And within a week, we'll have somebody step up to either foster or adopt them. So just the whole rat community has just been amazing. Um, definitely grateful for them. Yeah. So definitely check out the website, dfwratrescue.org. Give us, you know, drop us a line. Yeah. <laughs> Come see us. Well, I honestly just wanted to thank you both again. Uh, you know, I thought... Uh, definitely knew it was going to be a really fun conversation, a really great insight when I, you know, saw the posts and everything. But honestly, from, you know, DFW Rat Rescue to the farm and uh, being able to kind of have your guys full-time jobs, like during everything as well, it seems like these are just like a lot of cool upcoming projects that you guys have associated, you know, with helping these animals. And no, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys do next. No, thanks. thanks. It's, yeah. it's been fun. Yeah. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the PlatinumMask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at GrayMask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.